0: Publichealth.indiana.edu.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Joe Wren for WFIU News and welcome to this special edition of Noon Edition. The city of Bloomington is experiencing rapid growth and development. The US Census Bureau estimates the population has grown by 15,000 in the last decade, but several communities don't like what they see popping up in the downtown area. City Council members will vote Wednesday on whether or not to adopt a controversial development plan. Mayor John Hamilton's administration announced the proposal a couple weeks ago that would, among other things, reduce the height and density a developer can automatically build. Hamilton says the changes will ensure quality developments in the future. A number of people have criticized the city for not being transparent and say the development changes will increase housing costs. Our panelists will discuss how the proposal will impact city growth during this special noon edition. And I'm joined here by Mayor John Hamilton of Bloomington, Mark Levin, professor IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and Randy Lloyd, immediate past chair, Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. Thank you all for being here today to and be i'm here. having us Good
2: Good yes to be here. yes
1: and i'm also joined by reporter lindsey wright who's been following this story as well and Lindsay, we want to hear from our viewers and listeners we're on facebook live so That's people right. can join us there yeah or ask they questions can call or, in. or yeah. send
3: in comments you can join the live chat by tweeting at noon edition or give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877- 285-9348, so, so ask away, we want to hear from you.
4: <laughs> All right,
1: so I, I kind of wanted to start, go back a bit to November 14th, because I happened to be at that that plan commission meeting where they reluctantly approved, it was the, the new rhinos that mixed mm-hmm. development, called uh, Urban Station, it was phase two. Um, most of the members just thought the building structure, design was inappropriate for being so close to downtown. So it was asked, what if we don't approve? Uh, this and city legal said well they can sue us so i will start with you mayor hamilton if i'm on the right track to say that this new ordinance is an example maybe what issues that the city is having with being able to approve or not approve downtown developments
5: yeah joe thanks for setting it in that particular context i i guess i'd might maybe step back just a little bit you know the The comprehensive master plan which kind of which guides for the community the goals for development the physical space of the community how it how it should be built is is now 15 years old Uh, they're meant to be about 10 years every 10 years and and it was passed in 02 and that process is going on to redo the comprehensive master plan uh, not quite done in front of city council and as that process is going on. We're talking a lot about where we want to go, how we want development to happen. And in the midst of that kind of final stage on the comprehensive master plan, we're seeing developers and builders wanting to build things under the 15-year-old plan. And that's causing some stress because the new plans underway, not quite done, indicate new goals. And yet we have these really old zoning rules that let old goals be met. So I think what what the council what the plan commission felt was hey we're this isn't this isn't connecting with what we think the goals are, but we don't have a choice as they said as the lawyer said. So so the new changes are meant to kind of help in the transition to the new comprehensive plan and 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 zoning which will come probably in 2018.
3: And and you said that these changes to the UDO are temporary. They're kind of in the interim before you update that master plan, and then you ultimately change the UDO permanently. So, kind of first before we go over to Randy Lloyd, just to explain, you want to ensure quality. You say that this will ensure quality. Let's talk about some of the language that's in the in this new proposal sure. and how you think that would ensure quality.
5: Sure, you know the 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 direction that i think much of the community wants and that the plan commission passed with the new comprehensive plan thinks about things like the mix of housing downtown for example the 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 new plan we expect will uh, will explicitly note the importance of both type of housing not so much student housing dominated but trying to think about a mix of type of housing and also very explicitly think about affordability how do we as a community support more affordable housing as we go and i think the new um, plan and the new udo will do both of those things but we're not there with the current plan so this this transition is to help get us there so the transition for example explicitly does say a component to consider for those who want to build more densely or more high than than the zoning would allow is to think about are you helping the mix of housing are you helping the affordability as well as are you doing green buildings are you doing sustainable buildings as well as are you making kind of a physical good design contribution to the city so it lets it lets those factors be weighed if somebody wants to go higher or go more dense than they could otherwise
3: and, and Randy, with the Chamber of Commerce, so before the Chamber of Commerce came out with an official stance on, the, on this new proposal, um, I know the concern was that this goes out of process, that you know, usually the UDO is updated after the master plan is, is officially updated. So kind of ex- explain the other concerns, though, because there are a lot of concerns there, and I think they mimic a lot of residents and other other people's concerns in the community.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, first of all, I think it's worth noting that our existing growth policies plan had a vision through 2025 and not not a 10-year window. And I'm not saying our community values and visions don't change. Uh, that's, that's why you do go through an update. And from our perspective, Um, We've had great community input, including um, the the business community and concerned citizens all participating on updating our comprehensive plan, which would then typically lead to changes in the UDO. And this seems to be taking just a section, a piece of it, and rushing it ahead of of where we're at and sort of having our community discussions. And while we may not like everything that gets built under our current UDO and growth policies plan, I'm sure you could go back 10 years and find things that some people didn't like. And I don't see it as a crisis um, that, that actually supports being able to sort of enact what we basically see as a moratorium. I think when you reduce height You reduce density in our urban core um, something has to give and it can be called temporary but the fact is is that when a developer looks at a project and looks at the viability of building in an urban core i mean you're not doing this in two months i mean it's a long process it's a a long investment you have to invest a, a fair amount of money in and that's assuming one you got a site Uh, It assumes sort of that you've got the ability then to have architects and engineers, and then you've got to actually go through the process, which the city still controls a fair amount of the process. I mean, I can't just force myself on the agenda. And so I just think that in the timeframe of where we're at, specifically with the current updates, the comp plan, and what would follow with the UDO, there is not a crisis in our current rule of the law, which has worked and continues to work, that requires us to do something as radical as this, particularly in the timeframe that the city has done it. Um, we noticed this just through a legal notice. Um, we like to think that the chamber and the business community has been a great partner with the mayor and the city of Bloomington. And this is one of those instances where felt like we were excluded from uh, knowing about this and having these conversations. And now we've had to kind of rally in order to to address this, and it feels like something that's being terribly rushed, and I just don't think that the it, it is warranted. So,
1: at, Mark, and we'll get to you in just a second too, but I think that's a, a valid point. We, we've heard about the not being transparent enough, Mayor. Would you like to sure. respond to that yeah, too, as well?
5: Absolutely, um, and we've been a great partner with the chamber. The chamber represents 900 local businesses. They're a terrific. Terrific organization, we agree on a lot, we don't always agree on everything. I, I do have to comment about transparency. It's, from my perspective, transparency means you're, you're open to everybody, you let people see what's going on, um, and you do it in a way that encourages input from everyone. Sometimes when people are critical of transparency, what they really wanted was notice ahead generally from what everybody hears to get early notice about what's coming. And I get that, I mean, we all, there's interest in that in all kinds of settings, and sometimes that's appropriate, but transparency is not giving a certain group of people a, a heads up about what's coming. Transparency is really about, hey, here's what we're intending to do, let's, let's talk about it. And, and that's what we're doing now, and, and, and we certainly weren't excluding anybody. We were, we were trying to say, hey, we see this coming. This is what we propose. Let's talk about it. That's what's happening. The plan commission had a meeting on it. They voted. The city council's having a meeting on it, and they voted too.
2: With, with all due respect, I mean, if you get noticed through a legal notice in the paper, that means you're just reading legal notices and trying to catch something. I mean, that's that's the the fact of the matter is. And then when you hold a special session for your city council just to get this approved... That can, from my perspective, and and I've worked in city government. I did economic development for Mayor John Fernandez for a number of years. I've served on many boards and commissions. And integrity of process is critical to our local democracy. And this feels like this is one of those things that has been hidden and then rushed through just to uh, under sort of this guise that there's a crisis going on. And I don't see the crisis. You may not (laughs) like everything that's being built, but it is our current it is our current growth policies plan, and it is our current UDO. And there's a tremendous amount of discretion that our planning commission has, and the planning staff, to shape projects. And when there's nothing wrong with having a project that is built by right. In fact, developers want things that can be built by right. And, and we may not always like sort of the outcome of what, what every aspect of that, but then let's address the, those components. If you don't like the modulation, change the modulation. If you don't like materials, go back and change materials. But this wholesale reduction of height and density is contrary to anything that has any relationship to affordability. In fact, I mean, if you look at any literature, any literature on how you work yourself out of affordable or housing issues is you gotta have more housing, right? And so this doesn't allow more housing unless you negotiate with the city
5: randy that's just not right that it doesn't allow more housing in fact i've tried to make really clear this is not a this what this does is reduce the ability of developers uh, and investors in property to do by right what they might want to do and I'll, i'll just note i went back we had 29 projects significantly over the last two years 29 projects that did housing development. Some are done, some are underway, have been approved, others, you know, um, uh, through the process. Five, only five of those 29 were by right. 24 of them went through the process and Randy describes it right, it's a back and forth of the plan commission, a group of citizens, a staff trying to work with the project. I'll note this also, of those 29 projects that were altogether done, 24 of them produced help produce affordable housing of about 350 units of affordable housing it's not it's not random that the five by right projects produce zero units of affordable housing and so we do I'm in favor of development and investment I've worked with developers for 25 years Randy's a developer he you know and he the voice of developers I get it they want to do more they want to they want to invest and that's a good thing but I I work for the city for everybody in the city. And my job is to try to make sure that developments produce good for the whole community. And that's what the Planning Commission works on too.
1: Let's get Mark in really quick too. Mark's a professor at the IU School of Public Environmental Affairs, and we we had someone on on the phone, but uh, Leah, if you wanna call back, we'll get you on right away, and we'll go to the phones as well. What was your immediate reaction to this new ordinance?
6: Well, I watched the uh, the plan commission meeting last night and was intrigued. I think that all of the issues were pretty well described. It <clears throat> it's unusual to have this kind of a, a change in an ordinance that is as limited as this is, but I understand That this is the tool that the law department apparently has said to the mayor and the city council is the one that you can use to stop the kind of development you don't want to see and so that's my my reaction is that, that they have found a tool to limit discretion of developers and increase the discretion of city officials
1: Uh, Let me give the numbers really quick, and then, Lindsay, I'll go ahead and head to you. You can live chat by tweeting at Noon Edition. Give us a call, 812-855-0811, toll-free, 1-877-285-9348.
2: So, John, Lindsay, can I, I comment real quick on sort of this notion of affordable housing? I think one of the fundamental differences that John and I have and have had is that uh, it's his notion that if you're doing any sort of housing development, you are the panacea to our housing problems, regardless of what it is. And I just don't believe that. There, there are developers who are good at providing, uh, through tax credits or other types of incentives, for, uh, providing some type of wage-modified based rent. Uh, But there are some developers that just aren't. And so every time you ask of that of a developer, it really changes the economics of projects. And if you don't know what those are when you go in, there's just no way to shape a pro forma. Now, some some developers, maybe they've got extremely deep pockets because there's some real estate investment trust uh, like the group up maybe at Dunhill that had much deeper pockets, but others just can't. And I mean, they don't have the capability to subsidize housing. And it's a, it's a much broader, wider community issue. And I I I I, remind, I kind of recall sort of an early conversation with uh, longtime community member Travis Vensel, uh, who also reacted initially to the mayor's initiatives to sort of um, extract sort of concessions out of developers towards affordable housing. And he said, you know, we have a hunger problem in our community as well. And this is sort of akin to asking every restaurant to uh, set aside a certain percentage of their meals so that that $30 steak is now $2 to somebody else. And it's, it's, you know, it's the same way. I mean, restaurants are not the panacea just to our, 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 <laughs> our, our needs for food. And, and so what we've tried to stress as, as the Chamber And as a developer is that we need a much more comprehensive approach to our housing solutions and it cannot just solely ride on the back of our downtown development it just can't it's not economically viable
5: and so you got to look at it you know it doesn't ride I mean I I have to remind people sometimes the scale is quite striking every day every night there are 4,000 people in our community who lay their bed in a publicly funded housing development public housing we support 1600 units that are not paid for by developers that are paid for part of the general tax and federal support state support that support 4000 which are supported by living, the private sector of through course tax of payments. course broadly yes. broadly yes. absolutely and and i get that developers don't want they're, they're not the panacea nobody thinks developers are the panacea but i think developers are part of the solution to affordable housing and uh, they need to be part of it, just like actually restaurants do participate in, in responding to hunger in lots of creative ways. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep working on behalf of all the people of the city. Affordable housing is a big issue. Supply is one of the answers, increasing supply, and we want to do that. But another answer is figuring out how do you get more affordable housing downtown. And I'll just give you a quick example, and there's somebody waiting. Suppose there's a developer who wants to build a six story building downtown. And the, and the limit is three or four stories, whatever it is. Developer, two developers, they both, they both say. Developer A says, I wanna build a six story building that's gonna be all student housing, no, no subsidies, no, it's all student housing. Developer B comes in and says, I wanna build a six story building that's gonna be uh, part senior housing and I've figured out a way how to make it affordable for a certain number of seniors to be downtown. I think it's totally legitimate for the city to evaluate If somebody's asking for extra height and extra density, what's the impact to the city on those two different buildings? And to be able to debate and discuss which one is a better improvement of the city. And that's what this ordinance would let us
2: do. And the difference between what the mayor has indicated and what sort of the chamber and the business community's position has been, and John knows this because I've shared this with John, which is that we just want predictability.
5: We, agree we, with have, that. we we agree have agree with talked that.
2: about John and I've had numerous conversations where we have specifically talked about how you incent this type of behavior rather than using a hammer to beat people up. And that's what this is. This is a moratorium that really forces the hand and makes you negotiate.
5: Randy, you keep saying it's a moratorium. It's now there are communities that have passed moratoriums, and some people want to have a moratorium, but we don't have a moratorium.
3: Let's jump in. It's it's been said that it's not a moratorium, and that that's been said multiple times. But let's maybe you can jump in on this. I think this is a good segue okay. into a huge argument, which is about negotiation and, and discretion with mm-hmm. plan commissioners and, and city council. And you know, one city council member I, I remember said doesn't believe in waivers, doesn't think there should be negotiation, It shouldn't, there shouldn't be waivers, whereas many of the city council members said they should be able to negotiate. It's a good thing to negotiate. So maybe, Mark, you can jump in on, on maybe your experience of what you've seen um, with things in terms of how the give and take of negotiation and how much is okay.
6: Well, typically a city has a comprehensive plan based on the comprehensive plan that sets out some generalities as to the direction they want to go and where they want to see it. They then create a zoning ordinance. The zoning ordinance creates regulation. And it says in the vernacular, by right you may do all of the following with the following limitations. And then there are some things that are listed that are conditional uses if you meet specific conditions Uh, you may proceed, and those conditions are typically uh, based on on compatibility with adjacency. And then thirdly, there are provisions in most zoning codes for, uh, in effect, negotiating a separate zoning regulation for your own project if it's large enough. Um, In most communities, that's called a a planned unit development or a similar uh, nomenclature. Um, I did a lot of that kind of work, and uh, we negotiated, uh, certainly, Um, and and that does take place within some limitations. I think the question becomes, how many negotiators are there for the city?
5: (laughs) That's that's a good question. Uh,
6: I think that, you know, and I've only been here for a short period of time, and what I know mostly is what I read in the newspaper, and so whether that's accurate or not, I will defer to others. Um, But it seems to appear that there are just way too many places where somebody gets a bite of the apple. Um, And so, as a developer, you don't know when the process will end. (laughs) You don't know who is going to be the next person to come up with an idea. Um, I've watched uh, some meetings of the Plan Commission and the City Council, and they're very nice people. And they, uh, I think most of them understand clearly the issues at hand. Uh, but, but it's and, and they don't want to offend each other as much as other communities, and that's a good thing. <laughs> but that in turn means that everybody who has an idea gets to, to put it out there, and people are reluctant to limit their idea. And so everybody takes another little piece of a developer... Um, It was somehow the belief that the profit doesn't change or that the developer is making too much money and and therefore we can take these pieces and there's no impact. Well, that's just not true. Um, and, And so there has to be much more certainty in the process. And I think that there are two different issues here. One is, as the mayor has talked about, vision, substance, Uh, what do we want or what do we don't want? It seems we're better at defining what we don't want than (laughs) what we do want. Uh, But second of all, there's a very big issue of process. It just appears that that Bloomington has a a well-deserved reputation in the development community for being a hard place to do business. And it's because of the uncertainty and the cost of process. It takes too long to get an answer. Um, when I was doing development, I used to say to developers who'd come in with some sort of an off-the-wall proposal that they thought was wonderful, and I was the guy who was the preliminary negotiator for the city, uh, and I'd look at it and go, it's highly unlikely. That just doesn't meet what we want. And my question to the developer was would you like the quick no or the long agonizing expensive maybe (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm.
6: and most developers took the no and went away because they understood how much it was going to cost them to get to maybe i
5: i actually agree with a lot of that mark i think um, you know, Bloomington, we have a very active and interested community and a lot of different viewpoints about all kinds of things. You can you can pick a topic, you know, basketball or, or parks or trails or development. And uh, I do think it's useful to think about uh, the process and, and bringing more predictability. I, I've said for years, when I ran for mayor, I, I do think we want The developers are doing what the community values that meet those values you want to make life easier for them that's like the either a quick no or a a smoother yes if they're really meeting objectives of the community and some of the some of the developers are doing that Um, there are other developers who aren't in sync or that doesn't match their business model to do what the city wants and figuring out how to have a process i'm all in favor of process improvement What what i won't what, what I do what I want to stick to, and I think is really important is recognizing that, look, any owner of a individual property and, and we're focused on downtown because that's such a gem, anything that somebody builds is going to be around for quite a while, thirty years, fifty years, maybe a hundred years. And it's important for the community to have a process by which, we help determine is that investment we want lots of investment we've had 29 investments in this over the last two years there's it's not like developers are disappearing the developers are very interested in bloomington Uh, we want to make sure that that investment is one that helps move the city forward every developer who has very valuable property today that property is more valuable because of 50 years of community decisions that protected the downtown that made sure the downtown uh, ambiance and the sidewalks and the design that they continue to be valuable. And every developer today has value in their property because of all those community decisions that made a great downtown. So we just need to do the, the, the same thing going forward, I think. All right.
1: on that note, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. Our guests are here to field your questions and comments. You can tweet us at Noon Edition with any questions or comments, or you can give us a call, 812-855-0811. Toll free at 1-877-285-9348. We'll be right back.
7: From the Milton Metz Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state. Throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at wfiunews.org. All
1: right, we're back on this special live noon edition. We're on the air and online at Facebook Live. Feel free to join us there and you can uh, tweet us your questions. You can Facebook Live us a comment. Uh, we'll give you those phone numbers again 812-855-0811 toll free 1-877-285-9348 we're talking about bloomington bloomington's downtown area that's growing at a rapid pace and some of the concerns with that i'm with mayor john hamilton of bloomington mark levin professor iu school of public and environmental affairs randy lloyd immediate past chair greater bloomington chamber of commerce of Commerce Board of Directors and our reporter who's been following this as well, uh, Lindsey Wright. I, I wanted to start the second half with uh, an editorial that was in the Herald Times today, and it, it ended with referring to this new ordinance that being put in place that uh, would allow officials to require gifts and favors in exchange for their approval. Uh, now, these changes are said to be temporary until a new UDO is approved. Uh, will we see more changes made to the, the language in that?
5: In the UDO? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, well, of course, the council votes on the UDO, so I can't, can't be sure. I, I, I can predict that there will be changes in the UDO. So I, I do want to comment on that language, uh, Joe. It struck me, look, the language of gifts and favors is language that suggests that there's some individual receiving gifts and favors from this that is the farthest thing from the truth the discretion and there's always a balance between discretion and predictability discretion and predictability. it's very hard to be exact about what you want but so as mark said there's there's negotiation all the way the kind of things that we're negotiating are not gifts and favors unless you consider a green roof a gift or a, or a favor or unless you consider Uh, uh, a support of affordable housing a gift or a favor or unless you consider high quality design a gift those are not gifts or favors or if they are they're gifts and favors to the community that's going to come that is their their contributions to the wealth of the community when I ran for mayor one of the things I heard most often from people was concern about how the downtown is looking how it's developing what kind of buildings are we seeing in it and look randy mentioned one building early on or i think or somebody maybe you did joe this isn't about a particular building Uh, and developers are doing what developers do they 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 speculate they buy property they try to invest in things but our job in the city administration my job as mayor is to try to make sure that those those investments do create value that's what the community wants and it's not a gift and a favor it's a I, it's a contribution to the good of the community going forward.
2: I, again, I think that's from the, the mayor's perspective, and I, I think giving a little maybe more insight into what I think the HT was getting at was just again the unpredictability of the process, the fact that I may have to sit in a private meeting with the the planning director or with the mayor, and negotiate what it is I'm going to need to do, whether I got to write a check for some sort of uh, affordable housing project or whether I've got to. Uh, somehow rework the economics of my project so that now, in order to get approved, I've got to have three workforce housing units. It's just a much different way than we've ever done business in our community.
5: Now, that's and not true, It Andy, is true, John, Because let's John, think about open space. <clears throat> Didn't we negotiate with buildings and developers for open we space have in had, the
2: past? We have had pretty clear sort of and unless you're at a PUD level where there is a fair amount of negotiation which in, were very common yes, very, PUDs common. Were very PUDs. common but you know what you knew that going in if right. you were going to do a PUD you, you knew you were going to negotiate you, you which is what you negotiate. know now too going you don't in. because you've you taken. you're pro- going to negotiate you've taken the process whereby you've now with this reduction of density and height there's there's hardly any project that could be developed by right And I don't. There's nothing wrong with developing projects by right. Developers want to know and have certainty about how to do that. So when you have to now either write a check for an affordable housing uh, project or do other things that are not actually written down, so we have the expectations about what we can or can't do. They're getting
5: written down. That's the point of the the UDO is to try to write them down because that's what the community wants. But
2: that's not. That's not. But that's not. There's no need then for this interim step. I don't see the need for a reduction. I don't see this great crisis going on, John, that you says there is. Well, that you say there well, is. Let's go to this
1: process for granting a developer the, the additional height or density. That is a deviation from the city code. What, sure. let's talk what, what is sure. that process then? So,
5: so the process isn't changed. We have that process today. We have the process right now, and as I said, 25 out of 29 projects went through that process over the last two years to, to look at, hey, we, don't, we, we can't build by right. We don't meet quite the definitions that are there, but here's, here's the project we want to do. And that discussion happens, and it can involve green roofs. It can involve bicycles. It can involve uh, uh, affordable housing. It can involve uh, uh, amenities like art or other things that help the community. And those negotiations happen. Uh, and that, what, the, the only thing that's changed in that process is when it kicks in and the new UDO interim adjustment changes it from four stories to three stories. I totally get developers don't want that. Developers would rather have a six story by right. Developers want by right, because that is more predictable and they can run their pro formas and they can not have any community input other than what's specified in the- the, But no, people uh, had input
2: on the comprehensive plan in the UDO. I mean, there was a lot Of of people that set our vision
5: 15 years ago
2: with a with a (laughs) goal towards 2025
5: no the the, yes no the goal has always been as you know randy that that comprehensive plans are meant to last about 10 years and let me make an amendment to that because i've said every time i've talked about our comp plan it and the udo ought to be in a three ring binder because the idea that you can pass a comp plan and a udo that will last for 10 years is not real the world changes and and when i say three ring binder means you ought to be able to with the council, rip a sheet out, put so, a new one in, because the world has changed.
3: Randy, Randy, I hate to cut you oh, off. Yes, I so. want to get Mark in here, and I want to get to some some. And we other, have a couple phone other, calls
1: too, really quick. But. Yeah,
3: let's let's go to the phone calls real quick because we haven't got. Yeah, any let's of this. go and
1: go to Terry from Bloomington. Are you there still? Hi, Terry. Yes.
4: Hi.
1: You're live. Go ahead.
4: Yes, I just appreciate the uh, mayor taking into the community considerations of green space and. Uh, Local transportation, like bus lines and bicycle lanes, and I was just wondering if there's any interest um, in repurposing existing buildings, like the hospital. Sure. Or if, if, you know how how we can protect the architecture that's already here um, without uh, having to demolish buildings.
5: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Terry, for your call um repurposing of course Bloomington's Bloomington's really good at repurposing City Hall's in a 100-year-old building that used to be a furniture factory and the county courthouse has been saved of course and we have some terrific historic buildings the police departments in old City Hall and that kind of thing and uh and we absolutely want to look at how do we reuse what we have we're doing that with Dimension Mill Uh, you know it's going to be an exciting new building you'll see opening next year uh, down at the Trades District, uh, and and uh, I enc- I appreciate you and and the interest of the community in continuing to see these great assets reused because that, that's what people that's what people like downtown, including including the hospital. We'll look at that uh, when they when they eventually move out to the east side. And
1: let's go ahead and go to Jeffrey too from Bloomington. He's on the line. Jeffrey, go ahead.
4: Yeah, I was at the uh, planning commission meeting, council meeting last Monday night. Not last night, but last Monday night. And there's this $25,000 charge to the developer at 7th and Morton Street to the Affordable Housing Authority. And the developer also had to come up with two workforce units across from the Chocolate Moose to coincide with the 7th and Morton development. So it raised question to me is, why is the developer or the owner of the project required to give extra money to our housing authority is that HUD? i mean is that government is that federal is that state is that county you know what is that housing authority that the developer has to give money to
5: sure let me take that yeah uh thanks jeffrey um so we do have the city council created last year a housing development fund which is a local fund it's not it's not going to hud or anywhere else but um, generally, when developers are are developing housing, if we're able to work with them to identify a way to increase affordable housing, we like them to do the housing right in the project where they are. That's happened, for example, at Urban Station 1 uh, along along Walnut, where they're putting workforce units and it's great. They're mixing, mixing uh, full-time workers with students, and, and that's terrific, and that's kind of optimal. If developers, for various reasons, uh, are convinced or convince us or convince themselves that they don't want to do affordable units in the very development that they're building, the Housing Development Fund gives them the ability to support affordable housing in other places in the city. And, for example, that happened with with Dunhill, which has been mentioned, a big student housing development up by the football stadium. That developer Put uh, invested a million dollars in a housing development fund. That's that now the city can use to help other developers create, for example, about a hundred affordable units on Crescent Drive up on the north side of the city. So it's a way to help invest in affordable housing. It's all it's all done locally, um, and it's part of the part of the mix um, of how we get affordable housing here.
2: And, and I guess I, I would just ask add quickly: Is that uh, Jeffrey? I think to your point, which is that. Uh, yes, those are part of a negotiation that that developer had to do with the planning staff and presumably the mayor, the mayor's office, uh, to come up with those. I think it's, it's, I think it's important to note that those are not codified. Those are not expected or predictable. It just all comes out of how, how, how badly you want to do your project in exchange for something that the administration can sign off for. And I think that's our criticism, which is that there's just no predictability. If we want to if we want these types of things as a community let's codify them let's put them in and and I, I think it's worth noting that you know both the the chamber and the business community have have asked the mayor and have volunteered and offered to work on a comprehensive housing study to actually quantify our problem set real goals and objectives I don't think that what we've got going on now has any sort of real set of goals or objectives it's kind of and I'm, I'm going I'm to use a phrase that John u- has used before, which is, let's just uh, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And that's kind of the approach to public policy that we have right now, is you take each project, you kind of throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And I think all we've asked for, and, and from, the, from the development community and from the business community, is some predictability and transparency in the process.
3: Let me jump in here because I I have to make this point and we're getting down to the wire where we could run out of time. Um, So on our Facebook page, we we received several comments, not very many questions, but several comments with concern about IU and students and saying that the city is prioritizing students building high-rise alcohol dormitories downtown. I think that was a phrase that somebody used. There was one comment that I saw last time I checked. I haven't checked it, you know. That, that recently that was in favor of changing and said maybe these restrictions don't go far enough. Um, but maybe Mark can jump in on this, of how do you balance the needs of different communities you have? Because I think another argument is that the city council and, and the mayor's administration is very anti-student. Um, you know, so it's, it goes both ways.
6: Well, I think that <clears throat> college towns tend to have a unique set of issues and whether it's Bloomington, right now Berkeley uh, is struggling with the same issue. Cities around the country are struggling with the issue. Typically, uh, the new trends in zoning are focused more on uh, form-based zoning uh, than use-based zoning, and so that approach says, here's what we'd like the building to look like, whether it's materials, modulation, height, density, et cetera, Uh, but it doesn't attempt to regulate how the building is used because the concern is that over time, buildings will change uses, uh, and what was appropriate now, 10 years from now, may be obsolete, and so what we want is that building that will be viable for 20, 50 years or more. Uh, It appears that the city is trying to do both. It's trying to not only regulate what the buildings look like, what the form will be, but is attempting to find ways to decide what the tenancy is uh, and and who the tenants are and whether they're students, whether they are workforce, whether they are seniors. Um, whether they are retailers uh, and, and uh, of only certain kinds of retailers, because only certain kinds of retailers can benefit for, from a, a space that doesn't have enough parking, um, I think that's what's getting them uh, into this conflict uh, of visions and values.
1: Uh, let me give the numbers because we are, as Lindsay says, coming down to crunch time. If you want to join us, 812-855-0811. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also tweet us at Noon Edition. And we're on Facebook Live as well on this special Noon Edition.
2: Joe, can I, can I just hop yeah. up on Mark? Sure. I, I, think, I think that's a, <clears throat> a, an excellent point and. And I would say that um, I know John said earlier that we've had fifty years of we don't we don't we don't always have fifty years of good decision making. Um, and not everything comes out great. Um, I, mean, you know, I mean, it's just the nature of, of government and cities and civic life. And, you know, you, you do. You change, you alter, you do those sorts of things. But I, 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 was, um, I was struck by I was, And I, I travel quite a bit, so I, I go to a number of what we consider to be progressive cities like Portland and Seattle and Denver and, and what have you. But, but I do think that college towns do provide a real a real challenge. And when you look at sort of our population growth and you look at sort of – Uh, Student growth. I mean, really, the bulk of our growth has been in student growth. Um, And so that does create certain housing issues. And and I've been struck by a number of communities. Like if you look at um, Ithaca, New York, Uh, Ithaca, New York has adopted sort of this college town zoning area. And it's just—it's exactly what you've described, Mark. It's as form-based, and they—they they do have like a residential areas in, close to the downtown, and then they've got like a mixed-use area generally, but where they allow certain heights and densities up to six stories or three stories. But I think that as a community, uh, I think we have—and having worked for administration as well that has worked with IU and. Um, I think just as a community, we've, we've got to constantly work better in the town and gown on how we address student housing just in general. And some of that might be looking at towards mm-hmm. how we look at or target some of these areas. And actually, I think that uh, the Dunn Street project that uh, the mayor worked on, uh, you know, there, there's something to be said about about looking at more type of housing closer to campus. Um, but I think, I think actually being very proactive with the university and our community in addressing those uh, for now and in the future, could really help shape sort of how we develop as a community and how we how we want to address housing issues for students, um, and then it helps sort of lead us in down the path and how we address housing just generally for the rest of our community. And just really quick, can you explain? Uh, we, we've been using the terms
1: UDO, PUD, uh, <laughs> hey. acronym acronyms. acronyms yeah, that yeah. people may not know.
5: Sure. Uh, so the unified development ordinance udo is really the same as zoning it's how we zone the use of property what what you're allowed to do with it a pud is a planned unit development which is basically a special zoning process for a particular area you might have a developer who comes in and says i own 40 acres i want to do xyz well you negotiate directly with them on a planned unit development like that And let me just comment, um, You know, we've grown about 1,000 people per year over the last 10 years. It's actually about half students and half non-students in the city. It is a great thing to have the challenge that we have. We're the most expensive housing market in the state, both for rental and ownership. That means people wanna live here. They wanna live here. We don't make perfect decisions, but for the last 50 years, Bloomington's made a lot of good decisions to help make this such a high quality of life place. So that pressure, of high cost means we have a difficulty for people to live here. My job as mayor is to try to work to make sure using that power of the marketplace, we got people who want to invest here, how do we steer it into making sure we create affordability for more people, we create high-quality buildings that look good, and that we pass along to the next generations the same value that was passed on to us. It's not easy. Look, I get it. I've worked with developers for 25 years. They want to do what they want to do. Our job as a community is to channel them into doing the right things for the community. They don't always like it, they sometimes grouse about it. I get it, it's totally not personal. Uh, sometimes they think we're moving too fast, sometimes they think we're moving too slow, but we're doing what I think is right for the for the long run of the community.
1: Well, let's hear from someone from the community, Mark from Bloomington. Would you like to chime in really quick?
0: Yes, uh, thank you for allowing me to talk. Uh, one of the things that has been talked past today is the, the concept of building type. We're talking, I heard comments from Mark, form-based zoning, um, and other use-related issues. The building type is a key one. We can talk affordability all we want, but if you put affordable units on a hallway with students, that is a mix of use that probably doesn't work very well. We need doorways on the sidewalk, and that implies project size
5: i agree with that mark thank you for for calling in and it you know it also reminds me of another issue we had over the past six months or so which was accessory dwelling units trying to help make more smaller units available for people to use in the city on owner occupied property i think that's a very good comment mark more more doorways on the streets is good uh varied building types is good too
3: we don't have much time left. Thanks, but, Mark. But so tomorrow, city council votes whether to enact this. It seems like most are favorable of approving the proposal. So I just want to know, you know, regardless of what happens in both situations, how do we move forward? How do we ensure that everyone's working together and, and we kind of address the needs of people? And we have about three minutes left.
2: So, Well, Lindsay, I would say that, um, again... We are, we're not happy with the current process of this interim measure. Uh, I think it's been um, sort of rushed through uh, without a lot of public input. And, and I might add that just because it's an interim measure does not mean it deserves less public scrutiny. In fact, it deserves more. And it should, as the HT has noted, it should raise some eyebrows about why we're doing this at the last second at the end of the year, holding special sessions to do it. Um, again, and... I just don't we don't agree with it as a chamber we don't agree with it uh, from the business community's perspective um, i think that our heavy lifting is still going to occur in the current update of the comprehensive plan in the udo and there's uh, going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity for more input and in, and in how that language gets drafted and i say time is of the essence city council let's get it done
3: so let's let Mayor Hamilton jump in, how about a minute for you, and then we let Mark finish it off maybe.
5: <laughs> well, thank, thank you for the discussion. This is something everybody in town cares about. Every time you walk by a building, every time you're downtown, visitors, residents, uh, it, what it looks like affects you. Uh, you know, I, I, I hear that the chamber and the developer community are not happy about this. I will say from government side, anytime somebody doesn't like what we're doing, we're going too fast. If they do like what we're doing we're going too slow uh and i get that and that's kind of natural but i think this is a very prudent responsible thing to do in the transition period and absolutely we welcome tons of public involvement in the in the udo process which will be m- most of next calendar year with the plan commission and the and the council uh, again we're trying to make sure that the city we pass along is going to be a great city like we've inherited from those before us and that it's one that welcomes people from all walks of life, that different incomes, different abilities, different ages, and that's what this is designed to do, and we're gonna keep working at it. And so does the business community.
3: Mark, jump in here and, and kind of give your take on what the situation we're in right now. How, how do we move forward and ensure that everyone is in under, is a, minute, of, you you
1: in
6: under yeah, a minute? If you can do that, I mean, th- this is really a small part of a bigger problem that Bloomington is facing because on the, you, you've you got, as somebody pointed out, the IU is growing. More and more students are coming. If you don't have places already for them, then they're going to compete for the places you have, which is going to drive up rents. But we also have non IU-focused development that the mayor is promoting, the idea of more companies coming either to Bloomington or to Monroe County. They're talking about bringing hundreds and hundreds of employees. They're going to have to live somewhere.
1: And we have to leave it at that. Thank you very much. This has been a special noon edition on WFIU.
2: Thank you.